Welcome to Get Gig Ready. If you're a music maker emerging or early in your career, or even a veteran looking to brush up on the basics, we're here to get you close to some amazing local talent to help amp up your skills. Get Gig Ready is presented by City of Ride, Lane Cove Council, the Live Music Office, Music New South Wales, and 2SER, with support from Macquarie University. I'm joined today by K-Vision, a wonderful producer and a trumpet player from here in Sydney, combining the types of music that I think have miraculously proven each other to be the perfect combination. There have been so many pioneers sticking together EDM and trumpets, dance music and trumpets, and you're carrying on that tried and true tradition in a really exciting way. Uh, K-Vision, welcome to the show. Man, thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on the show. I just wanted to talk a bit about that combination. What is it you think makes that trumpet and dance music match just work so well? Yeah, well, it's a good question, man, because I've been playing trumpet for like many years and I started just DJing normally without any any musical instruments. And then I think one of my friends said, you should try and put those two together. This is years ago, about seven or eight years ago. And I did it. And then people just, it, as soon as I took it out to play, people would kind of go, whoa, what's he doing now? Like it would just create this different kind of energy in the room. And I think it has to do with you're adding a top line over existing music so you're adding in an extra melody or you're adding in an extra kind of like element to something that's already there so you can add and enhance energy and it is is always kind of one of the interesting things watching like edm festivals and you get to the dj sets and the dj is just kind of there just occasionally saying something like yeah get hyped and i mean Uh, there are some people that can pull it off but there's also, you know, there's a need to still be a performer to make it more than just people listening yes. to music in a public space. 100%. And I think that's something that the trumpet really does well because it's the kind of instrument as kind of shown by its history as, you know, like a battlefield instrument, for example. Yes. It, it's so good at getting people's attention. 100%. It's exactly what they like the call to war, like the war cry, you know, like the um the Anzac song would you play the reverie right before you go into battle or it has a, it's very historic as well. So you, you're also bringing in all, all this history into, into the present day. And it's good to always pay homage to the past. And then I try and bring that into the future and still try and like, I'm very influenced by jazz and classical music. So I'll, I'll, when I play, I'd still try and that influence is it's going to come through on top of the pop on top of the, you know, EDM, it's going to, it's going to come through. Yeah, I thought the thing that was really interesting listening to some of your back catalogue is when I think dance music, and maybe this is more just to my tastes than an actual representation of the truth, but when I think dance music, I tend to think like, you know, pretty intense, more modern productions with these kind of like grinding sawtooth synths and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But- there was like this really great space and atmosphere to the kind of dance music that you put together. It kind of calls back to some of that older style dance music where you don't feel like pressured and like the bass is just slamming you to get on the dance floor. And it's kind of cool hearing someone capturing that in a more modern vibe. Why is that something that you kind of got into? Dude, I, I love music that takes you on a journey. So basically you, you start at this point A, you start at point A, and then you go all the way to point B, but the way you get there, it's like, I don't know how to put it into words, but it's just a journey. And I feel like in music and in all the great music of the past, they all did that somehow through, through transitions, through dynamics, through, through so many different musical concepts that that's, that's just been instilled in me through, you know, my trumpet teachers, my musical teachers over the, over the, over the past. And I think it is kind of lacking in this, in this day and age. So I thought, you know what? I love this kind of music. How can I still make dance music 
make it accessible, make it fun, but still make people go through a journey or make it kind of build where you started A and you go, how the hell did we get here? You know, by the end of the song, yeah, you're like, I always, I always really like that experience of getting to the end of a song and thinking to myself, I don't know when that transition happened, but I'm on it. I'm with yes, it. Yes, that is, that's a goal of mine. Every time I make a song, if I haven't done that in a song, I feel like I can't put it out or I feel like I can't, I feel like it's not at the point where I'm happy to be like, that's a song, that's a record. You know, when I can actually say, yeah, it does that or it sends you into outer space. <laughs> You know, yeah, well, I mean, interestingly, that feels like to me, again, maybe this is just my songwriting ability talking, but that feels like a hard benchmark to hit. How do you make sure that you're not like second guessing and you're like, oh, well, maybe this isn't enough of a journey. How do you still get stuff done? My gut. <laughs> my gut. Yeah? yeah, it'll just tell me. It'll be like, I'll just know that it's it or I won't or I'll just leave it. I'll leave songs for years and I'll come back and be like, that's what it needs. Mm -hmm. Like literally, like I had this song that I've been working with a friend of mine. Um, his name's Eric Rush. He's a really good, talented um, rapper and singer. And we made, I made this beat in like 20, 2018, I think. And then I went to LA, met him in this hostel. We made this song. It's called Look At My Dance. Not out yet, but quick little backstory. And then mm -hmm. we, had, we had this idea. Look at my dance. That was it. And then... I think two years went by and I like this year, I don't know what happened. I just figured out what if I do this, add these two things together, like the bass and the vocal slam into that, that could be it. The whole song changed in that moment. So like sometimes you just, you just got to leave it for a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. You just got to leave mean, it. It'll come. It will happen. I, I can, I can relate to that experience, you know, taking a step away from something and like not being in the project anymore kind of opens you up to That's a few it. more possibilities than when you get stuck in the same headspace. That's it. Because you get very like tunnel vision, which is good. You have to have that kind of relentless approach. Yeah, you got to have focus, but you don't want to, you don't want to like close off possibilities. That's it. That's it. And sometimes when you just step back, it doesn't have to be two years. That was just in that scenario, but it can be maybe even a week, a couple of weeks, maybe a month. And then you, you, you hear the song in a different light or you have a new idea for it and that will direct you somewhere else to a better place. I guess the other thing that was really interesting and exciting listening to your music is obviously coming from that disco jazz pop back, background. Yeah. <laughs> it was, was it this year or last year? Goodness, I've lost track of time that Daft Punk officially kind of called it at, at the end of, the, yeah. you know, end of their formal careers. Oh, man. Um, mm. And, you know, obviously that was like a big thing for the community that you're a part of. How has that kind of influenced the music you're making? Do you feel like the musicians around you kind of need to step up to the plate to fill the gap that they've left in? Or was this kind of a natural thing that was coming? With Daft Punk, I mean, they're, they're legends. And their music is, their music is so good, so catchy, so groovy. The production is insane. I, I mean, it's hard to say, like, to fill those, to, to fill those um, shoes. But I think what artists can do is just stay true to their own uniqueness mm. that's that's what daft punk did they took from funk they took from disco and they put it with they put it with good beats you know and people want a good beat they want funk they want to dance i think if artists can just follow that that truth within they will be able to create something unique or create something that's true to themselves which people will yeah i guess the reason i brought that up that was probably a pretty left field question i no, could see it good. on your face when i asked it yeah. um was was because i very much got that same kind of dance but without feeling bullied into it mm, vibe yes. to your, your music as i did uh to daft punk and i thought that um it's a really interesting 
thing, you know, hearing people, I guess, passing on that torch, even if indirectly. Right. Um, right, right. Because, you know, people, a lot of people wear their influences on their sleeve, but even more people, you know, have these unconscious influences, these simultaneous discoveries and that sort of stuff. And I thought it was really fun uh, considering, you know, like for how much of a connection I mentally drew between your music and theirs, uh, you know, whether that's something that kind of plays consciously for you. I am very much inspired by that that early 90s, 2000s kind of sound, that night, that house sound. I love that house sound. Duff, like I love Axwell as well. I think he's he's a producer from Swedish House Mafia. He's brilliant. And he's also inspired by Duff Punk. So I think me being inspired by Axwell, Axwell being inspired by Duff Punk, that package of sounds and vision. And then they were inspired by like, early disco, early funk, you know, from the seventies. So mm. and I love that stuff too. Like my mom and dad would play BGs in the house. They'd play Jamiroquai. They'd play all these, you know, songs. I still love those songs. I think that groove and that, that like uplifting kind of style. I've just like taken that thing because I love that thing. And I'm just trying to put it in, in my music that I do. Yeah. I guess the other thing I wanted to ask about is doing both your own music production and being a DJ. Mm-hmm. Are those skill sets something that you kind of treat as the same thing or are your DJ sets like really different from when you're actually producing your own music? You know, is K vision the same <laughs> performer in both contexts? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, when I'm DJing, it's like I'm let loose. Um, there's no leash anymore. It's just, I'm not thinking anymore. I'm just going off my heart and going off the the energy of the people and the vibe of the dance floor. I'm like, cause you're, you're kind of, when you're DJing, you're, you're creating a vibe and you're creating an energy that hopefully people are going to like, and they're going to feel, and they're going to start moving and they go, damn, what's going on? Why is my body moving? And then all of a sudden you're in it. And your job at that point is to keep that going. You got to sustain, you got to keep people at that, at that level. Right. And in a song, when I'm producing, I'm going to get there. When you, when you produce, you have to also sustain that energy. You have to sustain that idea that you had. I'm thinking, okay, how's this going to work on the dance floor? When I DJ this, is this going to work? Like uh, people are just going to go, go, um, go to the bar or something. I guess, is, is that a hard thing to kind of like visualize that crowd? Or do you prefer to like actually go out and road test or like play your own songs, both. sneak them into DJ sets and 100%. see how they go? hundred percent. And yeah, yeah, it's both, man. Like. I'll be in my room visualizing, okay, how's this going to work? Or I'll even just go on my decks and just play two songs or do, do a little mix, add my song in there and just go, does this feel right? Yeah, like, how did that work? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then even when I'm playing live, I could be anywhere. I'll just, I'll play, I'll, I'll put it in. It's always very nervous because, you know, you've, you've been playing heaps of pop tracks. You've been playing heaps of songs that people know already. And all of a sudden, you, get, you, you, you know, you're going to throw in a song that no one's heard before. And I'm always thinking, are they going to find me out? Are they going to know this, is, this isn't like a, you know, are they going to know <laughs> imposter syndrome kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the times, like nine times, not nine times, maybe like eight times out of 10, it's going to be okay. But in, in that, I'm always thinking, okay, kick's too loud. Okay, no, nah, the claps are too loud or the bass is too muddy or always these mixed decisions that are going on in my head, like got to fix that, got to fix that. Oh, that worked really well. Damn, that was cool. You know, just things like that. Yeah, I guess the thing that's kind of obvious in hindsight, but kind of clicked for me as you were describing it there, is that for you, it seems DJing is, you know, almost your research process for making music. Like you, by being part of the crowd, by creating that energy using other people's music, you've kind of, even if not consciously, identified what works with the kind of crowds that you play. 100%. And that I imagine is really useful as a songwriting tool for you. hundred percent, man. In the beginning, it used to be very, 
like I'd play all these songs and this is when I was learning how to produce. This is when I was learning like, what is it that makes people dance? What even is that? And, you know, I'd play Calvin Harris, play Sweet House Mafia. I'd play all these, you know, David Guetta. And it would be really sad when I'd play my own song and like people would go to the bar or something, you know, and then I'd be like, what the, <laughs> what the hell, man? You know, mm-hmm. now that I've progressed and I've researched and, you know, I've studied the greats and I've studied like you put all these things together and then you test it out. And then if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, you just go back to the drawing board. Yeah. And I think there's also like a level of resilience that that would teach you there by like, yeah. you know, being able to keep up an energy in a DJ set would get you used to the kind of indirect rejection that comes yeah, from people I mean, going to the bar during a song. Because yeah. like, you don't feel as bad when it's <laughs> someone else's music, but you still kind of get that same like, oh, damn, I need to step it up. Right. 100%. When it's someone else's song, I'm like, ah, suck shit. Like you didn't, you know, some, sometimes. Some, well. That's a, a little less diplomatic than I was expecting, but you know what? Send it, send it. <laughs> sometimes, man. Like if, if, if I'm having a good time and then I play my song and it works out well and I'm like buzzing off that and then, yeah, yeah. Or, or actually in the scenario that I'm playing all these different types of genres and no one's dancing. And I'm like, what the, I'm like, okay, I played R&B, nothing. Hip hop, nothing. Pop, nothing. Okay, let's go to house. Nothing. Man. And then I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, what is it? What's, what can I play? And then when people keep going to the bar, then I realize, oh, sometimes I've had people walk off during a, like a Calvin Harris song. It's happened. Yeah. So I'm like, you can't actually be that hard on yourself because if people are walking away during a Calvin Harris song, it's, it's, there's a certain level of self-respect. That- yeah. There's a, there's a like really yeah. sincere lesson to be taken from that. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, you, as you you mentioned imposter syndrome earlier, like it bites so hard, especially when you don't have that context. And the DJ set sounds to me like a really great environment to build that context to kind of help you get a bit of confidence in what you're doing. hundred percent. Because there, when you make a mistake, people know it, or, you know, even with the trumpet, it's, it's very, you know, you, you could put the trumpet up to your lips and then you could go, you can make a really bad yeah, note. Yeah, I mean, a bung note on a trumpet is like, it's a sound. It's a sound, 100%. right? 100%. Everyone knows it, you know? So like, mm-hmm. it's every time I pull it up, I'm like, my trumpet teacher back when I was in high school would always say, just be quiet and make a beautiful sound. You just got to have that positive kind of self-talk going on. You know, if you're saying, I don't want to play a bad note, I don't want to play a bad note, I don't want to play a bad note. And then what are you going to do? You That's going to be the time, right? You're going to play a bad note. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm still learning, man. It's, it's never ending. It's always a journey. Of- but I mean, that's really cool. I'd never really as I said, obvious in hindsight, but I'd never really thought of the DJ set as like a tool to put together, you know, the songwriting, the resilience and the toolkit that you need to be a performer. And that's really cool now that that's like clicked in my head. Nice. Yeah, no, that's good, man. It's, it's been really fun. And I just can't wait to get back out there and actually start DJing more, you know, once things open up again. Fingers crossed for this summer, you know? The last thing that I wanted to touch on before we let you go is you've sent in a feature track for us to play today, Disco Biscuits. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, I guess, given what we've just spoken about, a little bit about the decisions that went into this song, what it means to you and what people can expect to hear. Nice. Um, Disco Biscuits, man, this is a track that I made, I think. I made it in near the end of 2020. And it was the first track that I released as, as K-Vision Project, as a as that brand. And it was the first song that I got signed to a record label actually, in um, called Vivify Records in the UK. Shout out to them. They're great. Um, and that whole song is kind of about the experience of being heightened to the sense where you're enjoying the music, you're having a good time and you're just grooving along. And it's basically that journey of the drop, the breakdown, where you go into a different place where the piano comes in, the trumpet does like a little thing. And then you go back to the drop again, you go back to the, the meat and bones of the song. 
which is the disco. All right. Well, fantastic. K-Vision, thank you so much for joining us here on Get Gig Ready this week. It has been enlightening, you know, getting to actually put these kind of concepts into words. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. Really appreciate it. Fantastic. Here is Disco Biscuits by K-Vision. I have links up on the podcast if you want to get to his stuff. You're listening to Get Gig Ready. Get Ready.